Welcome to this edition of Church and State, the podcast where we discuss topics on the subjects of church and government in America. Hey, hey. Hello, hello. Here we are again. Again. Are you sick of us yet? No, of course not. (laughs) Hey, what's cool is we got a special guest tonight. Willie's joining us. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yay. Yes. We feel important now. We have a guest. Oh. <laughs> I feel important because I am a guest. <laughs> oh, so it snowed again. We like to talk about the weather yeah. because the weather here is just ridiculous this year. Uh, is this think. Alaska or Nebraska? I mean, it sounds similar. We're starting to wonder because... <laughs> we have the same weather. <laughs> yeah. When you have to... To mow the snow to get to your grass because it's so tall. <laughs> you you kind of wonder if maybe spring should really show up yeah. for once. <laughs> Never seen so much snow in all my life. <laughs> I moved to Nebraska. <laughs> oh, Lord oh. have mercy. <clears throat> well, we asked Willie to join us because we have a topic that we felt needed to go beyond just our two goofy opinions because... Sometimes it's good to get somebody else in the perspective here. So we wanted to talk today about why do so many pastors avoid controversial subjects um, when they're preaching over the pulpit? And I guess more importantly, should they avoid them or not? Is there is there biblical precedent for addressing controversial topics? So with that in mind... What do we think? Well, I think uh, the Bible pretty much covers everything under the sun. So if the Bible covers it, why not address it? That's how I see it. It's a good point. It is a good point. So, you know, people, Jesus is love. He would never, never call out anybody for their wrongs. Is that true? No, no, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) You know, love has many aspects. You know, there's a side of love that protects. There's a lot. There's a side of love. If someone comes in your home to attack you, you're not just going to go grab them and give them a hug. I mean, you love them, but you also love your life, too. So there's there's many aspects to love, you know. Well, and if you love someone, you want to steer them on the right course. And so correction is necessary for love. Exactly. Amen. You know, being a parent, the Bible says uh, you love your child, you will discipline them immediately. Proverbs uh, addresses that. So if you really love your son, you're going to discipline him. Like you just said, there is the there's an aspect of love that has discipline. If you don't discipline, then it's not true love. Well, I think the Bible actually says he who won't discipline his son hates him. There you go. You know. We, we have to make sure that if we're saying we're following Jesus, we have to make sure we're actually following the principles of the Bible. Correct. Because if we're not following biblical principles, we can say we love and follow Jesus, but that doesn't mean it's actually happening. That's true. That is the truth. I mean, uh, you know, love, like you're saying, uh, if you really love your son, you will discipline him. And if you don't, you you hate him. But you tell some parents that, they'll look at you like, how dare you say I hate my son? No, the Bible says you hate your son because you won't 
discipline your child. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and besides following biblical principles, there's a lot to be said for being around a child or a teenager or a young adult or an older adult who has never had to be disciplined, has never faced discipline. Oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> you know? I mean, truly, I, I work with <clears throat> young adults. I, I guess that's being generous. Um, <laughs> sometimes you really wonder about their adult status. But you can tell the ones who have been raised to, to respect authority and to um, accept correction and to admit mistakes and you can tell the ones who have absolutely not been raised that way and it's not necessarily that somebody wasn't trying to be a good parent but sometimes the i want to be my kid's best friend thing comes into play yeah. and you can tell these kids have never been told no mm-hmm. they've never been you know they've never had to deal with consequences of their actions they've never had to clean up their own mess and then they get in my world and they don't they don't know how to deal with things. And, and so do you believe, do you believe that this is uh, one of the things that pastors avoid talking about? I, I have rarely heard anything over the pulpit, um, at, you know, about disciplining your children. I, I do think it's probably, well, I, I think you're right. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody preach a sermon about being a parent, how to be a parent or what's required of parents. Sometimes they'll kind of touch on that at, at a baby dedication ceremony or something. You know, they'll they'll kind of give a little bit about how you have to train up the child and it's your duty, but... But it's usually train up a child. They use the scripture, train up a child in the way he should go and he'll never depart from it. Um, which is a good good principle, but they don't also step in and say not only train up a child how he should go, but make sure you discipline him when he's not on that path. Yeah. And I, I, so it is probably a topic that gets ignored more and more because more and more people are resistant to corrective parenting. Yeah. You know, I think part of our cultural shift has been that if, I've actually heard it said, well, if you, if you say no to a child, that's the same as hitting them. Yeah. Wow. Where was that when I was going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, then I must have got smacked a lot because yeah. I heard no all the time. Exactly. <laughs> and it wasn't. The thing is, there's a difference between between being, you know, an oppressive yeah. parent and saying no to everything and mm-hmm. and being mean about your nose, and then there's saying no, you can't have another bowl of ice cream. No, mm-hmm. you can't have that candy bar before supper. You know, no, you can't go play in the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. There's, there's some, I think we lose a lot of our intelligence when we decide that anything negative, anything that's not a complete positive mm-hmm. more, it's anything that's not a complete positive is town amount to abuse. You, you know, it brings to memory, uh, the Bible tells us to crucify our flesh. But you know, a kid is 100% flesh. That's why discipline yes. has to be applied because they don't know how to discipline their flesh. That's 
where parenting comes in and it helps uh, it by us bringing discipline to their lives. We are helping them grow up to learn how to keep their flesh under a kid that is that that does not know how to crucify their flesh and their parents do, does not apply uh, the proper discipline. Well, those are the kids that you that enter into our world and they're undisciplined, their flesh rule. They feel like everything is about them and everything around this planet. It's for them. Yeah. You know, that's where the Bible tells, talks about, uh, prop, you know, if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. Amen. Uh, yes. in, in today's world, you talk about spanking, they want to send you to jail. Yeah. You know? I've heard stories of parents taking discipline their kids, spanking their kids in the car. Somebody sees, see them doing it and they call the police. Yep. Except it's better to um, correct a child than to have him become an adult and repeat these exactly. mistakes because in society, you, just, you know, you end up in jail. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is it better to spank your child or to have to bail out your 20 year old? Exactly. I mean, which is, which is the, the more horrible road to have to travel really. That's true. I'd, I'd rather spank my kid and not have to deal with bail money, yeah. quite honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so what brought this whole topic up? You know, I randomly choose topics and it has to do with, oh, hey, that's an interesting article <laughs> because that's what I do. I read things and then go, oh, we should talk about that. Hmm. So this one, I was reading this article and... It said, most U.S. churches are shrinking, and more than 100 die every week. Wow. Wow. In a day and age where pastors are judged by attendance numbers and budget levels, scaring people away is bad for business. Hmm. So they had a, a Barna survey, and it said, we wanted to know if pastors felt limited or pressured when it comes to speaking about controversial topics. Half of Christian pastors say they frequently, 11%, occasionally, or or occasionally, 39%, so that's about 50%, they feel limited in their ability to speak out on moral and social issues because people will take offense. The other half of pastors say they only rarely or never feel limited in this way. So half of American pastors in this poll said that they felt pressure not to speak on important moral and social issues because people would become offended. That's sad. Well, you know, here's the problem I see. Our pastors are supposed to be shepherding us, Mm -hmm. right? They are to lead us into a greater understanding of the Bible Mm -hmm. and how we should be in this world, staying with biblical principles. And if pastors aren't willing to speak on these issues, then the people will never really truly understand how the Bible tells them they should approach issues. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of a scripture I read in Timothy where Timothy says, in the last days, people will heap up among themselves, teachers, them, them, the listeners have an itching ears, finding people who would say what their itching ears want to hear. Yeah. Amen. And that's what that sounds like. You know, it, it, 
that's that's yeah. a that's a sad uh statistic stat you know the statistic that's really a sad one well but and well if you don't if you don't hear these things even by your pastor i mean you know those it, it reinforces um a lot a lot of this you know that needs to be you know the way the way that we should be should be reinforced uh, we're you know as humans uh, we do all kinds of stupid things and we continue if nobody if nobody says hey you know there's a better way to do this then we just continue on you know on this on the stupid path, course, on the <laughs> stupid <laughs> path. Yeah. we stay on the stupid path if nobody <clears throat> ever shows us that there's a better path yeah. and i mean how can you uh, how can you um, chastise someone if if they have never heard that what they're doing is not acceptable? Yeah, absolutely. And I I mean that's not the only thing that you know controversial subjects, but but certainly you know a big one. A lot of people don't you know when you especially newcomers you they don't really know what they're supposed to do. Well, and, and the problem is, at least the problem that I see, you know, a lot of people get really wrapped up in the news. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people get wrapped up in one side of the news. Most people don't listen to an equally balanced influx of news. Mm-hmm. And most of our news media are not neutral. No, they're very biased. They're very biased. And so people are hearing this biased viewpoint. And a lot of times, and it doesn't matter which side of the issue you're on, a lot of times the bias is those people aren't just wrong. They're stupid and they're bad and they're horrible human beings. And we should just get rid of them. You know, both sides, both sides have a tendency to to go that direction. Well, these people are idiots. We just need to get rid of them. They're not, they shouldn't even be around. They shouldn't even have a voice in our, in our discourse because they're so wrong. And so if all you hear is one side and this one side just tells you how bad the other side is and you don't have any moderating force, you don't have anybody saying, this is how the Lord tells us we should approach our enemies or those we disagree with, or those we have a problem with. If nobody's willing to step up and say, I know our politics have gotten very, very, you know, antagonistic, but here's what the Lord said. Because believe it or not, politics were very antagonistic in Jesus's day too. Yeah, the Roman government. You know, there was the Roman government, there was the Maccabees, there were, you know, the, the Jews that wanted to, have revolution to overthrow the Roman government Mm -hmm. and then the ones who wanted to go along to get along. So there were factions in those days too. And we like to, to think that, that in the days of Jesus, it was all sunshine and roses and, and, you know, he loved everybody and he never corrected anybody, at least not in a mean voice. He was always very kind to them. And I I mean, I see a Jesus (laughs) going into the temple with a whip turning tables over. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. there are times where correction 
has to be very strong and very shocking almost mm-hmm. for people to break through the the mindset that they have. And I get that most pastors don't want to, you know, come roaring into the church with a whip and flipping pews or whatever. <laughs> Can you see that happening? <laughs> but but I really think that there needs to be a balance. Yeah. And I understand that that there is a lot of pressure because church has become a very corporate thing. It really has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of a lot of churches it's it's all cut and dried. Well, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of the ones that you hear about, oh, this is such a great church. They have 18,000 programs to do all these things. Well, you if you're going to have all these programs, you have to have dollars coming in to support the programs. And it's not that that's a bad thing, mm-hmm. but are providing programs more important than preaching the word? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, because by 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 the preaching of the word, you get to, you know, you hear the word, and it and again it reinforces. And when it's when it's especially when it's spoken right from the Bible. There's no mistaking what God's asking of us. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, I, and I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, so are there any topics that shouldn't be dealt with by a pastor in a church? I say if it's in the Bible, it should be addressed. Now, I will say this, and this is the job of you know, you brought up a word earlier. You said a pastor is a shepherd. When you think about a shepherd, what was a shepherd's job? A shepherd was responsible for his sheep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, the shepherd was responsible to uh, make sure they were safe. He was responsible to feed those sheep. He, the, the, the shepherd and the sheep knew their shepherd. Mm-hmm. Some of the time what's going on is I don't, if the pastor has to, number one, be in tune with the chief shepherd, which is Jesus Christ, and number two, the Holy, he got, he, the, the Holy Spirit, and he has to be able to be in the midst of his shepherd and of his sheep, and he can look, a, a shepherd can look at his sheep coat and tell what nutrients that sheep is missing, what is lacking on, and that shepherd will provide the nourishment that 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 particular sheep need, and that's the role of a pastor. And and so, the pastor has a great responsibility to be in tune with his sheep. And so, sometimes in this busy world, the pastor has to be careful not to be pulled in too many directions, because by being pulled in so many directions, if he lose sight of his responsibility, which is the sheepfold, well, those sheep are going to be neglected. There'll be, I'll say it this way, valuable ingredients in their diet will be lacking. Yeah. And so, and, and another good thing about a shepherd, a true shepherd, the shepherd isn't out there asking the sheep what they need today. The shepherd's responsibility is to tell those sheep what they need. Very true. There you go. Very That's true. That's awesome. That's awesome wisdom, brother. 
Absolutely. So let's look at the flip side. As a sheep. A lot of sheep don't want to be fed what the pastor knows needs to be fed. And a lot of sheep are resistant to accepting the correction or the information because it goes against what they think they already know. So as sheep, because, you know, we're all sheep. I'm not a shepherd. I'm a sheep. As sheep, we have to be willing mm-hmm. to listen to the shepherd. Yes. You know, a sheep that gets really stubborn tends to get himself in big trouble. Yep. Yep. You know, we we all like to, t- oh, you know, Jesus left the 99 and went after the one. Well, if that one would have stayed with the 99, he probably wouldn't have gone through quite as much of an ordeal as he ended up going through. Yeah. yeah. But because he thought he was independent mm-hmm. <laughs> and wanted to go his own way, he probably ended up somewhere kind of scary and a little dirty. <laughs> and maybe a wolf or two was snapping at him before he, the shepherd found him and brought him home. Yeah. Yeah. And I know a lot of pressure gets put on pastors because they're, they're the face. Mm-hmm. They're the voice. Mm-hmm. You know, people go to a church and that's who you see is the pastor. You might not notice some of the congregants, but you notice the pastor because... He's up front. And so some of the responsibility lies with the sheep, too. Yes, I would say a lot of it uh, goes, a lot of responsibility goes to the sheep because the sheep can make the shepherd job really difficult. Oh, yeah. It's like you told, you just said the parable, the, the one leaving in 99. What is the one leaving for? <laughs> Stay put. Everything <laughs> is provided for you in this sheepfold. What are you, you but sheep are, you know, some sh- some sheep are, you know, are dumb. Yeah. They think they know. <laughs> they see this other pasture over there and they want to go eat over there. No, that's not your pasture. The shepherd knows, hey, there's a wolf over there. Mm-hmm. I saw him yesterday, but within the confines of this sheepfold, if you would stay put, you're going to avoid that wolf that wants to tear you apart. But sheep sometimes think they know better than the shepherd. And in so thinking that way, I think a lot of times we make the pastor's job a lot more difficult than it should be because a, the sheep should, you know, there's a, that brings up something else in my heart. The sheep should be lifting their pastor up in prayer. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Because I, I remember Jesus saying something, you know, if, if you attack the shepherd, the sheep scatter, he was talking about, he pulled it out of the Old Testament, and he said, You're, they're like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd. What is the, So you got all these sheep doing their own thing because they have no direction, mm-hmm. and they're doing what they think is right. And so when you got a situation like that, and you're looking at that from the outside looking in, like Jesus would see it, Jesus is saying, hey, sheep, Listen to the shepherd that I've put over you. And that's why I feel like the sheep, they make the pastor's job. They're putting the pressure that's on the pastor, in my opinion, is because of the sheep a lot of times. Now, that's not to, that's not to say that the pastor is, uh, is totally off uh, without blame in the, in the matter. Sometimes, you know, you got some pastors that's not operating as a true shepherd. I remember when I traveled overseas, one and and when I was in uh, Africa, 
a lot of the people wanted to be pastors. And I asked a guy, why do you want to be a pastor? Well, because you, you'll make a living. You, that's not the reason to be a pastor. No, absolutely no. not. <clears throat> you know, you should be called for that office. That's an office. You don't call yourself. You are called into that. But there are some shepherds that aren't true shepherds. Yeah, they're, they're filling a position, but not a calling. That's good. And, and another thing is, you know, that's one of, one of Satan's great tools is if you, can't, if you can't get the whole flock to turn around and fo- start following him, uh, Satan will pick one or two to infiltrate. Mm-hmm. And then you get, you get a couple of, you get a little dissension in the ranks, and it spreads. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I mean, those are you know, those kind of sheep. Sometimes, and I and I've I've seen it in churches where, where the pastor, as as much as he doesn't want to, he may have to tell someone that, hey, you know, you're kind of making things bad for everybody else here. Yeah. You know, and and if you know if we can't, if we can't come to an understanding, then you know. We might have to, you know, put you out. And I know that's that's one of the things that you know a pastor would never want to have to do. But, but I've seen it. I've seen it. You know where where you get get someone, and he'll try to uh, he or she will try to get other people to follow them out mm-hmm. of the church. And I think those are dangerous things too. Yeah, or or they'll try to convince everybody to take over the yeah. church from there, the pastor, yeah. you know, to kick out the pastor instead of leaving. They try to get everybody to follow them and kick out the pastor. And, you know, as sheep, you're, e- you're either a sheep or a shepherd, Yeah, you know, and as a shepherd, you can sit and be under other shepherds mm-hmm. because that's a training issue. You know, it's training, it's learning, it's building up other shepherds, but as a sheep, it's not your job. To try to be a shepherd. Yeah. yeah. You know, there, there is no, there is no lead sheep. <laughs> they like to think they're the lead sheep, but there is no lead sheep. You know, in some, in some animal kingdoms, there's a leader yeah. of the animals. Mm-hmm. Sheep are not that way. They're just, they, they all think they're important, mm-hmm. but you know, mm-hmm. we have to make sure that we aren't making it. So our shepherds can't address these issues that we all complain about. Yeah. Well, why does nobody talk about this? Why why is this so bad? Why is why is the moral fabric of our country just disintegrating? Well, it's because you won't listen. Yeah. It's because you don't want to hear your responsibility in this issue mm-hmm. a lot of times. Yeah. But then we also have the pastors who don't want to tell because they don't want people to leave. Mm-hmm. And it's not that they it's not that they don't want to offend people. It's that they don't want that program money walking out the door. Or they don't want the influence. Well, I have a big church. You hear that a lot. You know, people compare the size of the church. Well, a little church isn't any less than a big church. That makes me think of something. Uh, there was a uh, minister I heard one time. He, uh, uh, one of the congregants came to him and say, hey, I'm leaving the church. The pastor was, you know, a little discouraged by it. 
So the guy, he left the church, and uh, the pastor was in his office just talking to the Lord. Lord, the biggest giver of my church just left. And he was just going on to the Lord about it. He said, Lord, the biggest giver of my church is left. And the Lord said to him, no, he hasn't. And he's like, Lord, uh, well, I look at, if you look at the financial, uh, the giving records, this person was the biggest giver in our church. The Lord says, I am in your church. The biggest giver still is at this church. And when he realized that, he was like, oh, he rejoiced. Yeah. You know, and, that's, and that's where, you know, as, a, as shepherds, if any shepherds are listening, the biggest giver, none of your decisions should be made to keep people because of their financial uh, giving into your church. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You should tell the truth no matter what. And if they leave, they leave. Guess what, though? The biggest giver is still at your church. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, that, that's a great way to think about it. It really is. Yeah, because I feel sometimes people are as pastors they're making decisions because they don't want to offend and they don't want to offend because if that person leaves what am i going to do with with their support because if they leave their support leaves with them yeah but you got to understand your biggest supporter is the lord jesus christ he says he'll provide all the needs so whose church is it is it yours or is it his he yeah. says, I will build my church. Jesus said this to people. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So if he's going to build his church, we shouldn't be, uh, uh, shepherds shouldn't be concerned about a person walking out the door because you're telling them the truth and you're concerned that if I say this, they may get offended and the money that they give is walking out with them. So what? Say it anyway. Because the biggest supporter of your church is the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, and I think because the Lord is the biggest supporter, he knows that if if you're speaking the truth, if you're speaking his word, and somebody becomes offended and leaves, he's going to fill that financial need with somebody else or somebody's else or some miraculous way you never, ever, ever would have thought of. Mm-hmm. Because he knows that you are doing his work. Yeah. Well, I I heard it one time. Uh, uh, what what would a pastor do if the Lord asked if nobody came? Would you stay? <laughs> yeah. Really, I mean that's, that's a, a that's a good question. That's a good question to ask. I've been, I remember uh, with my dad, my spiritual dad, I call, uh, call him my spiritual dad. He helped me out as a teenager. And, but when he started a church when I, uh, in Texas, there was maybe one or two people that would come, but he was mm-hmm. faithful mm-hmm. every Sunday to be there in the church group. But that's the kind of dedication you're talking about. Would you still go? Yes. Well, and I think it speaks to what are you relying on? Are, are you relying on your talents and your abilities and your plans and methods to grow your church, or are you relying on the Lord? Well, and that goes back to those uh, uh, where the seeds fall. Yeah. No? Yeah, we don't. We, we can sow the seed. We can't. Pre- I mean, we can prepare the ground to a point, but the ground's going to be what it is. Yeah. And. <laughs> 
we 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 out here in the we out here in the not so great soil areas understand that you know you can you can help the soil along which we should we should be helping people to to prepare their hearts to really take in the word but we can't we can't make it the perfect ground only they can do that but we still have to sow the seed yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's true those are good points so do you think there's anything else that a that a well might the the one know? other thing that sticks out to me because we are the church and state podcast. Yeah. So we've been talking a lot about the church, but what about the state? Does the state have any influence on whether or not pastors preach controversial topics? Well, if you watch the news, they sure do. There's nothing godly about listening to uh, politicians. <laughs> you know. But I mean, also, you know, we have to stop and think. Most of our churches are tax exempt. Yeah. But they have to toe the government's line to keep that tax exempt status. Ah, uh, yes. You know, Almighty so dollar. so as a government, they could very strongly influence what does and doesn't get said over the pulpit. And I always think back to. You know, if, if it wasn't for preachers saying what God had put on their hearts, there never would have been an American Revolution. No, not at all. Not at all. There, there wouldn't, we, we would be, you know, another part of Britain still. And if it wasn't for pastors saying what was on their hearts and what was in the word, there never would have been the Civil War. We never would have abolished slavery mm-hmm. because, you know, people can justify any evil thing mm-hmm. if nobody's preaching the truth at them. Yeah. So there's so many things that just, if you look back in American history, there's so many things that never would have changed if pastors hadn't been speaking out over the pulpit saying, this is wrong, Yeah. this needs to change, we need, you know, the, the Bible tells us this, and we should expect this. But yet we're in this, this place now where a lot of pastors are not willing to do that mm-hmm. because the government will say, now you have to pay taxes. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, I think that it goes back to, once again, who is building the church who is the church's source i remember um i went to a church and when it got close to election time uh that church was very very i I mean i loved how they represented the different um the individuals who were running for office but not only did they 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 didn't tell you go vote for that person but what they did was they had all the facts, all the different things that that individual had voted on throughout their term uh, in politics. You knew everything about it. Because I think sometimes the church, the Bible says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Absolutely. God was talking about his people. We're, yes. They're destroyed for lack of knowledge. And so what this particular church did was made sure that the congregation had a had an arsenal to pull from when it was time to vote. You knew what that person stood for. You knew 
what that person, how that person felt about abortion. You knew how that person felt about gay rights. You knew how you knew where that person stood on all these subjects that real that really builds America, that affects the future of our of of our children's children and things of that nature. So, I think that I I really I'm glad that I got to witness how that church went about arming their arming the congregation with information about polit- the different politicians that were running for office. And I think that's a good way to go about it. Uh, you need to be informed when it's time to go to the polls. Absolutely. And what better way to be informed than the body of Christ, a church with that has that much influence. If you really think about the body, the body of Christ is huge. If everybody voted righteousness, righteously, oh my gosh, what kind of people would we have in office today? Oh, Our man. country wouldn't be in near the the turmoil wow. and, and strain that it's in right now if if people righteous people would just go vote righteously. Yes. Amazing yeah. concept. <laughs> yeah. 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 True. But Absolutely. So, wow. How many people are uninformed? Absolutely. They are. Or or they get, you know, like I said, they get their news from one particular source with one particular slant and they aren't willing to learn all sides of an issue before they make their decision on how they stand. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Wow. All right. Well, I know we haven't covered all of it. We haven't saved the world yet, (laughs) but I think we've probably saved it enough for one night. Unless, unless anybody has any other amazing gems of information to add, because this is a good one. Yeah, I just it, it's. I'm glad that you invited me. Uh, it is a, uh, it's a, it's a vast subject. Many reasons why pastors do what they do, but I think if they truly understood who they're representing and who's the supplier of their church, because I think fear, fear is a, fear is a horrible leader. And some people yield to fear, and by yielding to fear, you'll always make the wrong decision. Fear of people walking out of your church. So what? Those same people that walked out, God could bring more. You Absolutely. Know? Uh, sometimes uh, what it's a pruning process. Sometimes some people need to leave because yeah. they're hindering growth. So if pastors are afraid because people are going to leave, I'd say... I like what one minister would say. See that door right there? It says E-X-I-T. There you go. If you don't like what I'm saying, hey, I liked his attitude. You know, he wasn't afraid to say what needed to be said at that time. Amen. 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 And well, Willie, it's just been absolutely phenomenal having you here on the podcast. This is just, this is just uh, absolutely amazing what, what God can do. Uh, when, whew, man, when there's two or more gathered, yeah, his name, and uh, and I hope that that uh, this has been an interesting subject for everyone. I I can't see how it could be, but uh, man, this has been great. It has been, yeah, it Absolutely. is. It's, you know, and some of those controversial subject. You, 
People listen to the Holy Ghost. Amen. Pastors, listen to the Holy Ghost because you're disobeying. You're in disobedience when you're refusing to address an issue that needs to be addressed. Uh, you you have to listen to the Holy Ghost. Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. Well, I think we are going to end it right there. Thank you for joining us, Willie, and thank you for all those listening. And we will definitely not uh, be ending this subject. We're going to we're going to try to get uh, other perspectives on this, too. So make sure you come back and join us again. Thanks for joining us on this edition of our podcast, Church and State. We hope you'll be joining us again soon. Until next time, keep keeping the faith.